Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about a Second Students ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast. And welcome to the Second Students West podcast. We are thrilled that you decided to click on this message today. We hope that it will be a blessing to you whenever you're listening to it in the morning, at night, at school, whatever you're doing, we know you will love it. I have with me Seth and Taylor who spoke to our high school and to our junior high students this past Sunday. And we're just going to get some thoughts from them on the message, expand a little bit, and talk with them about what they got to share in junior high and high school this week. So let's just start it off. What's Seth? going on? Hey. Hey. Glad, glad y'all are here. Glad you're listening. <laughs> we are here. So let me ask y'all, Seth, yeah. what was your highlight of this past Sunday? Oh, um, man, my highlight of the Sunday, I think it was really good to see some people back. Yeah. For the first time in a few months, I know that um, people have not come back to church in person um, yet because of some of the concerns of the virus. And so we've been trying to create a safe environment. Um, and uh, yeah, some people who decided that today was the right day or Sunday was the right day to come back was awesome to see them. And uh, we miss those who are listening right now who have not come back for those reasons and totally respect that. And I uh, hope that we get to see you soon. Yeah. And we, w- we do want you to know that uh, we've created a real, a real, a very safe environment um, for, for sure. you guys. And so we'd hope to see you back soon. But that was my highlight was seeing some faces that we hadn't seen in a while. Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. Taylor, what about you? What was your highlight? Yeah, just getting to, to connect with kids. It was really cool. But I think my favorite part or just a cool moment that I had, it was just with, uh, I want to mention a student's name, Ronnie. Uh, he knows who he, who he is. Love Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie's just a super cool kid. Ronnie. He's in seventh grade. <laughs> And uh, and during my message, I I asked him to lift up a fifty pound sandbag. That's good. And Ronnie probably weighs fifty pounds, <laughs> so there's there's no How'd way that go? he could lift. Uh, he he could barely hold it up. Like he had to set it down. Uh, but it was when I was talking about consistency of like getting into the gym more often, and like I started at a, at a small amount of weight, and now this fifty pound sandbag is super easy. And Show off. that I uh, maybe a little. <laughs> But I got to kind of just show him, like, you know, not not just Ronnie, but I, I used him as, as an example of, like, I started smaller. And now through being consistent, I have been able to progress and lift more and more yeah. and more. So uh, I just enjoy doing that. So Fun. Yeah. I love that. Okay, I want to ask you both. So you both start start off your message um, with this idea about feeling stuck, about how we can feel stuck in certain situations, whether it's spiritually or whatever else. So, um, Seth, I'll start with you. What is one time when you particularly felt stuck, and how did you overcome that or get past that, whatever it may have been? Yeah, the title of the message was going from here to there. And so when, when you're in any stage of life, whether it's um, – whether it's like in a situation trying to make it through, or it's a relationship, or maybe it's um, in your spiritual walk. For me, a moment that I think about um, was more of a situational kind of moment where I felt stuck, trying to get from from point A to point B. And when you can't make it through, you do feel that way. Um, and I think of my freshman year of college um, when I went to Liberty University, and I thought that I was going to, which it was a very Christian university, 
um, a lot of biblical truths and things. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't a part of the party scene when I was in high school. Um, there were students who did it and who drank and who did other things that are, are not right to do. Um, and so I wasn't a part of that. And so I thought that Liberty would protect me from that. And when I went as a freshman, I had a roommate who was on the hockey team. And I won't say his name, but he, um, he did not live the way that I lived. He did not have the morals that I had and believed in. And so I, I felt, I think I was kind of sheltered a little bit as I was a student, um, but also chose not to be a part of those things. So as a freshman, when I went in, um, this roommate that I had who I didn't know was very much in the party scene. And I thought that Liberty was not going to be that, right? And so um, just having to figure out um, God, why did you bring me to this Christian university to learn how to be a pastor when I have a roommate who is not living for the Lord and who is partying and who is actually drinking in our dorm and doing things that I just was not aware of and really wasn't around. Um, mm. So the hardest thing for me was trusting. The last point that I talked about was there's a purpose, that God had a purpose for me in that process with him. And the cool thing is that I got to um, ultimately share Christ with him and really talk to him. He had lost his brother, his twin brother, in a car accident as a, mm. as a child, and it was really hard on him. There was some trauma in his life, and so I got to just not really teach him anything or, um, or, or you know, throw the Bible in his face, but just to be, as a, be there for him as a friend, as a person, to hear him, to listen to him. And so that was a moment where I felt stuck and, and really relied on uh, trusting that the Lord had me there for a reason, even though I didn't expect it. Yeah. And so that's why I felt stuck, because I was just in this position that I didn't expect. That's so, cool. Yeah. Taylor, what about you? For me, it was funny because I shared a picture of this on Sunday, but it was like a video of a truck getting stuck in the mud, where literally I've been stuck in that type of position, but that's not really what I wanted to hit on. <laughs> uh, mine, similar to Seth, is similar to when I was in college. And... Um, and this was this was right around it was my in between sophomore and junior year during the summer I had a church internship and I just wanted to be the the super cool summer intern at my home church and lo and behold God like tugged on my heart so strong that I felt like this is where I'm going to have my career this is what I'm going to do for for the rest of my life and I wasn't sure because I was set like I was going to do accounting I was going to work for one of the big four I was going to do all this that would make so much more money than I am now. But it's just, I was stuck in like, do I, this is what I'm feeling God is leading me into. But I wasn't sure like if that was true um, or if that was really God telling me that like, you know, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to like every day put in physical work, physical hard labor for me. Um, as like a, a vocational minister and um and it, it it was back and forth of like am am i going to switch majors am i going to leave texas a&m university am i going to um go to seminary straight away or what is that going to look like and it was bouncing off all these ideas and uh and one way that i got unstuck was truly talking to someone who was in my similar position who was my my pastor at the time at that church that i interned for and he said, like, he had a similar experience of when he was feeling called into ministry. And uh, he basically said, like, this is what I did, and it worked. Um, and I reached out to another person. I reached out to another person. It was just getting all that affirmation from other people who knew me personally. 
that affirmed my call to ministry and saying like this, like this, I can definitely see you as. Um, and so that, that really got me unstuck, but it was that whole process of back and forth. Is this truly what I'm supposed to do? Is it disappointing some other people that would say like, Oh, you can make like this much money at the accountant job versus what you're going to make in ministry. And it was like, you know, my, that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for like, how, how am I going to honor God with my choices each and every day? And that was to fulfill that call to full-time ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think it's cool for both of your stories. It's cool to see how, even though you felt stuck, um, the Lord wasn't stuck. He was moving and working through all of those situations. Yeah. And I think that's true for all of us when we feel stuck or yeah. at a plateau or whatever it is that he is working through all of those situations. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, you both talk about consistency in your message, um, consistency in a variety of ways. So what are some practical um, some practical ways that you can stay consistent? Mm-hmm. Seth, I'll start with you. Um, I just, I think that, and I talked about this in the message you'll hear in just a moment, but I think um, how you start and how you end is so important. And it's both. It's not, you know, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish um, or vice versa, but you've got to have, you've got to set yourself up in the best way as you start it and as you finish. And so um, when you do that, I would say for both of those, start small. You want to be consistent. You want to do the same things, the right things over and over and over again. Start small, which was kind of the first point, the power of one. Start small. Sometimes we have massive goals that we create for ourselves, and we can't be consistent in those things because they're too big, and they're just impossible. So start small, and then I would say for finishing, keep the main thing the main thing. That's prioritizing, right? When you keep the main thing the main thing, um, you're saying, why am I doing this? Why am I wanting to be consistent? It's because I want to accomplish this. Um, and so for me, in everything I do, truly, keeping the main thing the main thing is, is seeing people, specifically students, come to know Jesus Christ. So I have to remind myself, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Taylor, I like that what a lot. about you? For me, thinking about consistency, like I'm always taken back to, to the gym because that's so important. That's how you're going to see progress and how you physically see progress um and and one thing that's helped me the most is truly getting someone to walk alongside you and to keep you consistent or someone that you can keep consistent um of a of a an accountability partner and um like it's someone that I would that I would work out with or someone that I would just bounce off ideas of like what would this exercise do and it translates the exact same way when I'm talking about my spiritual life of if I have someone who's studying the word with me then I'm more likely to continue doing that and uh, what Seth said is perfect of starting small not not being so overwhelmed in the very beginning because like New Year's resolutions come around and you have people that set outrageous goals that are absolutely unattainable. And that overwhelms them and that it's impossible to reach that goal. And so if you start small, like I'm going to, you know, read this small amount of passage each and every day, or uh, I'm going to read one gospel, however fast it's going to be in just, but doing those small things, doing something every day creates that habit. It takes scientifically, it says it takes 21 days to form a habit whether that's a bad habit or a good habit. And so consistency, as long as you're keeping up with their good habits and creating those, then it's going to be so much simpler and easier to do. And it's going to be, it's going to become a lifestyle. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, lastly, the last thing I want to talk about is you all both talked about patience. And I think we live in a, in a culture and a society that wants things right away. Amazon Prime, DoorDash. So hard to be patient. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. We can get anything. A Pop lot tarts. of things. Pop tarts. <laughs> I can't even wait for my pizza pockets to cook uh, exactly. 30 seconds in the microwave. I can't wait 30 seconds for a Pop Tart to <laughs> come out of the toaster. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. Who still hard. eats those? It's a I hard do. life. <laughs> I'm 29. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Hard it's times. Good. Your point. Um, but patience. Um, we want everything right now. And Seth and I were talking before this, before we recorded this, that. A lot of times when we become impatient, we're becoming me-focused, focused on ourselves rather than becoming God-focused. So being patient, um, how have you all seen that work in your life good? And how do you, um, I guess, sustain yourself through the patience? Because it is really hard to be patient. And so, Seth, you want to mm. take it away? Well, I love it. Well, I'll get to what Taylor said in a second. But I just, like you said... Um, if you're if you're finding yourself constantly impatient, and not just in your walk with Christ, we're talking about, you know, in waiting for um, whatever you said, Taylor, your um, your toaster strudel or your pizza pocket, pizza pocket, yeah, pizza pocket, right? Or waiting in line somewhere, or or waiting in traffic, right? If you have a problem with being impatient, um, then you're too, in my opinion, me focused, right? If if you're patient and you can really work on that and practice that, um, which is a fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience then it's God-focused. It's I'm more concerned with what God wants and why he wants me to wait than I am about me getting what I want right now. And so um, I would say that the voices matter in the sense of who is, who is speaking into you? Who is feeding that truth, as you mentioned, saying, hey, here's why you need to wait. Maybe mm. God, like when you go through something and you feel stuck, as we said at the beginning, who are the voices in your life that are saying, hey, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Hey, God wants to use this. Hey, let's flip the, you know, flip the perspective. Let's see it differently. And I, I would encourage you, students or whoever's watching, to really monitor. Like, like we control who we allow to speak into our lives. And sometimes, many times, all of us allow the wrong people to speak into our lives. Yeah. Sometimes it takes cleaning things out, and 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 then finding the right people. And so I would encourage whoever you are to have the right voices, generally, but also when it comes to being patient. That's good. Mm. I like that. And someone who speaks into your life who actually knows you. Because like a lot of times, like you can, you can find motivational speakers online and they can, they can motivate you to do or uh, encourage you to do something, but they don't know you and how you work. That's uh, true. And one thing, like when you were saying, like it, it just made me, this, this is just a, a quick nugget or if you want to put this on an Instagram post, it's a good caption, but who wants to eat a half-cooked pizza pocket or a, or a, a pizza roll or a hot pocket, whatever? Mm. Like, like my patience, I'm not going to be fully done, good. cooked, formed, created, whatever, whatever word you want to put in, if I'm trying to rush the process. Yeah. And that patience that like I'm each and every day from getting from here to there, from A to B, I'm being formed each and every day until I reach my destination. Yep. And if I try to rush that, I'm not going to experience the same growth as I would if I try to twitch my nose and instantly jump to B or instantly get to my destination. Well, that's when things get out of control. That's yeah. when you take every, you, you try to take things in your own hands mm -hmm. and we realize that we weren't built or made to have control. That's God. Yeah. And so when we try to do that, we can't handle and balance and manage everything mm -hmm. and we start making bad decisions and we start rushing things. And so that's why the trust in the way, the trust in the process is so important because yeah. yeah. he was meant to control and hold those things, not us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I try, 
I, I not try. I remember an illustration that I heard or that I saw one one pastor do, and it was like just based on control of try try gripping a pile of sand tightly in your hands. There, if you if you squeeze too hard, sand goes between the creases of your fingers mm. and everything. If but if you hold it loosely. Well, like a cupped palm and your fingers are loose. You're not trying to hold all, like you're not trying to have control of every single grain of sand. You're able to hold more of it in your hands. And it's like by letting go of control, you actually have more control because you know who is in control. That's good. That's, that's, good. A, that's a nugget. I need to write that down. Like that. I like that. Yep. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited for you all to hear Seth's message and Taylor's message. Here is the message that was given to our J High students by Taylor. So we are in Acts this morning, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles or swipe left, swipe right, whatever you want to do, somehow to get to Acts chapter 3. That's where we are this morning. I want to talk about um, just, just a road or a process that we go along of how every, every beginning has an end. Every A has a B. Every start has a finish, right? We all want to get somewhere in everything we do, we have a goal in mind of how we're going to get from A to B, how we're going to get down the road. But have you ever felt stuck? And what, what, is, what is feeling stuck even feel like? Or what does feeling stuck look like? It could, you could be stuck in a situation, whether that's in school or whether that's in relationships. You could be stuck in a situation, a decision that you made that puts you in a sticky situation, a mistake that you made or a commitment that you made in your past. You could be stuck in your past, but to move, you need to move past that. And we'll talk about that later in this message. You could maybe feel stuck in a relationship. I'm not, I'm not only focusing on girlf- girlfriend, boyfriend, but I'm talking about the relationship with your siblings, the relationship in, with your parents, or the relationships with your teachers and coaches at school. Of like Maybe you just feel like, I'm not really meshing with my, with my coach or with my teacher, right? And so you can feel stuck in that way. But what I really want to hit on this morning is how you can feel stuck spiritually. And maybe that's not growing in your faith, not choosing not to grow in it, but maybe like you feel like you're doing everything you can. You feel like you're, you're listening to all the messages, you're reading, you're uh, listening to podcasts, you're reading your word, or you're using the Bible app and doing those devos, but you seem to not be growing in your faith, you can feel stuck spiritually if you start, if you feel apathetic towards God or the, or the church, like where you're just going through the motions. You could be doing the same old thing, or you could be sinning in the same habitual sin, like just carrying it over and over and over and over, wanting to get out of this sin, wanting to not do this, not commit this sin anymore, but you could just feel stuck. And that stinks, right? And, and feeling stuck can sometimes, or at least I, w- I would imagine, it would look something like this. I'm going to throw some pictures up. We have, like, how, how this man's just stuck in a kid's bar. Like, this, this man's probably 20, maybe 30 years old, and he's playing on the, on the kid's playground. Let's go to the next one. This lady in a shopping cart, you can just feel stuck. Like, oh, man, I want to get out. I want to continue shopping. I want to get my, my uh, uh, low-fat chai tea latte, which is something that she might want to go get. But she's stuck in that cart. Let's do another one. This guy... On his wedding day, stuck in a child's swing, wanting to get out, wanting to move forward, wanting to do all these things. Let's, let's, let's skip the other pictures. Let's, let's go to the video that I sent. Feeling stuck 
you have a point from A to B. You know where you're supposed to go. You know how you're supposed to get there. But sometimes, in every effort that you can do, you just get stuck. Right? He's goner. He's a goner. Let's try reverse. Try reverse. Nope, no luck. Okay, forward back again. There's no way that this guy's getting out without a tractor pulling him out of the mud. Right? It, like, it's just, it's just not worth even trying. That guy's probably thinking, like, all right, when, when is this over? When am I done? When can, like, like, can I wave the white flag and say, tractor, please come and get me? Right? We'll, we'll, we'll move on from that one. But when, when will this be over? When will I not be stuck anymore? Is, is my situation ever going to change? How do I make it through this, this process? How do I get from A to B? And this morning, I want to dive into Scripture in Acts, and I want to show you three things, three challenges that you can really focus on so that you can unstuck yourself. Now, my first point, if you're writing down points, I challenge you to write this down or to put it in your notes on your phone or anything just so you can remember it because I know this is crucial and that this is going to help each and every one of you, myself included, as I've worked on it this week, that I'm going or that, that we are going to improve in our spiritual, in our relationship with God by using these three points. So my first point, if you're writing this down, my first point is the power of one. And I'm, I'm going to be reading from Acts 3. But before, before I read, we're, we're going to start in verse 3. It's Peter and John. Peter and John, they're at the temple, the temple gates that's called beautiful because it was an amazing gate and that people came to worship the Lord every day, every weekend, every time. And so there's a man who every time people come to the temple who gets carried, and he, he's lame, which means that he can't move. He has no, no ability to move, and so he's just sitting there like a sack of potatoes. A man who is lame from birth, he was, he's carried to beg, like, oh, do you have any chains? Do you have any food? Do you have any snacks? I love snacks. I would love to have snacks next week. Bring them. But he's begging from those people who come to the temple. So I want to read verse 3 through 6. Verse 3 starts out, when, when he saw, when the man, the lame man who can't move, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Verse 4, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man looks. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. This man, he's, he's sitting in the temple courts and he's begging for change. He's begging for snacks. He's begging for food, anything. And Peter and John do the unexpected. They, they don't give him exactly what he's asking for. This man, he's asking for physical needs. But what what Peter and John give them is something that he wasn't even asking for, something that he wasn't even expecting. And after that verse, in, in 7 through 10, you see that this man, he gets up, and he's, he's brought to his feet, and immediately his feet and his arms get, get strength. 
and he's able to walk around. He's able to enter the temple and actually worship and praise God for what he did. He's jumping and rejoicing. But the thing is, this man, every day, every time people are going into the temple, like if, if you're a regular at a coffee shop or at, at school, your teacher knows you, or my barista knows me. She knows my order, right? If I've, if I've walked in a wheelchair every time to get my order, the day I walk in on my own strength, people are going to notice, right? They're going to notice, like, hey, there's something different about this guy, something that, like, you're, you're the guy who used to come in here or who used to sit in the temple courts and just beg and you couldn't move. You couldn't do anything for yourself. You couldn't help yourself. And they are filled with wonder and amazement. I, look, I looked in the dictionary. Webster's defined awesome. The word awesome, which I think is an overused word, but it, what it means is to be filled with awe and wonder, with wonder and amazement. Like, wow, like seeing this man who has been on his back begging for food, begging for scraps, is able to walk. That is awesome. I want to jump to Acts 4. Just one, one chapter over because we're still, like, chronologically, Acts 3 happened. Peter's talking to everyone who saw the man who has been begging, and now he's able to walk. And so what happens? People, people are going to notice. This man, he's not going to stay silent, like, okay, like, oh, great, I can walk again. I'm just going to, you know, sit in my corner, and I'm not going to tell anybody about it. No, like, if, I'm, if I just got my legs, then I'm going to tell everyone about it, that, like, hey, this just happened. These two guys they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And boom, I had strength. Boom, I, I could walk. I'm going to tell people about that. And want to know what a crazy step? A crazy step from that one interaction, that one interaction, verse 4 of Acts 4. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. You've got to be kidding me. Going from one interaction with one man impacting him in the name of Jesus to the rest of, to however, the, however long the process was, that number of men grew to 5,000 because of one action that Peter and John did. Peter and John, they've passed through that temple, to the temple courts many times on their way to pray, and they've probably seen that man before. They probably noticed, like, oh, like, I, I wish I could do something to help. But something happened before in Acts 1 that I'm going to share with you in a sec, that they had the power, they had the Holy Spirit inside of them so that they could do that. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. They've, they've seen this men begging. They could have kept walking, but they stopped. They allowed themselves to be interrupted. And sometimes like, that can be in our own lives. I can be so on my way to my destination that I, that I don't feel like I could be interrupted. Like, oh, like, get out of my way. I'm going to my, my six-period class. I got to go. I don't want to have a conversation. Be able to be interrupted. They stopped. Peter and John stopped. And they gave him something so much better than money. Because you don't think, like, if, if, if you're this man, put your man in this shoes. Put, put yourself in this man's shoes, excuse me. If you're, if you're asking for food, if you're asking for money, if you're asking for anything physical, like can I consume, can I do something with, imagine if, if you heard what, what he said in verse 3, or in chapter 3. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. Like, like well, that's what I was just asking you for, dude. Like, 
give me money so I can go out and I, so I can do things or so I can spend it on food and actually feed myself. This man was bummed, like, oh, we don't have any money. But here's the thing. <clears throat> Sometimes what people think they want and that they think they need, that's not what's best for them. I want to challenge you. Are you going to be the person to your friends who gives your friends what's best for them or what that they want? Sorry, that, that might have been confusing. Are you willing to give your friends what's best for them instead of what they want? And that's a challenge because you have to know your friends. You have to have a conversation with your friends like, all right, what do you really need? Not what you want. Not what you want for, for Christmas or your birthday, whatever. <coughs> But what do you truly need? And the point, the point was power, the power of one. One action. One action that Peter and John did led to 5,000 people coming to know Jesus. Peter and John, they worked smarter, not harder. They said one statement, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. They didn't have to gather a bunch of people. They didn't have to become famous. They didn't have to promote anything or themselves. All they did was work in the power of Jesus Christ that they were given so that they could impact that man and therefore grow the number of believers to 5,000 from that one interaction. It started with one. One decision. One conversation. One action can start a movement. It's a ripple effect, right? There's going, going from a small wave or a small domino to a bigger domino. One small start. I have, to, I have to choose to be that small start, to start small and trust that God will use it. I want to read Luke 16, 10. It's, it'll be up on the screen. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. My next point is the power of consistency. Write that down. Consistency. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not vain. If you want to get from A to B, if you want to get from here to there, you must be consistent. Consistency is really hard for some of us. New Year's resolutions. New Year's is coming up. What are your New Year's resolutions? It could be, I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to read this many books in a month or, or one, book a, one book a month. Or I'm going to finish the whole Bible in a year. That's been the hardest thing for me, of trying, trying to start this thing, but I'm not able to finish. You've probably heard this saying that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I think it's both. Some people are able to start well, but they don't finish. Some people don't start well, and they need a lot of motivation to get started, but they finish with amazing energy and amazing passion. You start the right way, a smart way that works for you. Some people try to take too much on whenever they start something. New believers, we're talking spiritually, diving into the Word and trying to read the whole Bible in a month, which some of you may have that passion. That's a lot, and that's like drinking a sip of water from a fire hose. Impossible, right? Or it's probably possible you'll, you'll at least get a sip, but it's not going to be enjoyable. And some people, in how they finish, we have to think about what is going to be a problem for me to be consistent? What is going to keep me from being consistent? Or how can I motiv motivate myself from or to be 
consistent. I think of my time in the gym. I love going to the gym and working out and lifting heavy things and putting them back down. Some people think it's pointless, but it's whatever. But I, I, brought, this, I brought this sandbag, and even with my, with my bum ankle, I'm able to pick this up. I'm just thinking of a, of a gym illustration of I would not be able to pick this up had I not been consistent earlier with a small bag of sand, right? I wouldn't be able to handle this 50-pound bag of sand had I not started with one rep with a smaller bag, and I was consistent, and I kept going to the gym, and now it's easier. I think of that. If you want to grow in your walk with Christ, if you want to mature <clears throat> in your faith, consistency is key. The power of consistency. Verse 58, stand firm and let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. What are some things that move you? Or what are some things that knock you down? Identify those and isolate them so that they don't, so that they don't knock you down, so they don't keep you from moving forward, moving from A to B. Further on in the verse, it says, give yourself fully. If I'm not invested fully in my time at the gym, then I'm not going to progress. If I'm not fully invested in my time with the Lord, then I'm not going to grow in my faith. And what does that consistency look like? We, we hit my first point, power of one, that first time that I opened my Bible, that first time that I listened to a podcast. Consistency is doing that again and continuing to do that until I see growth and then continuing to do that again. My third point, write this down, the power of the process. I'm jumping back to Acts 1, like I said earlier. Acts 1, Jesus has come back. He spent 40 days as the resurrected Christ with his disciples. And they ask him in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They wanted something that they've heard of for the past three years as following him as disciples. Like the kingdom of heaven is coming. Matthew, the book of Matthew references the kingdom of heaven 31 times. Why 31 times? I don't know. But it's mentioned enough that it's important to mention. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And so he's back. He's resurrected. Jesus, are you going to do what you promised? This is what he says. Jesus' response is the timing is up to God. It wasn't the response they wanted, just like the, the lame beggar. It wasn't the response they wanted. It wasn't even an answer. In verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Why not now? Because you have to trust the process. The process, what, what is the process? What is something that Jesus is working in the disciples' lives? It said, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes, I'm not going to bring the kingdom of heaven right now, but for the time being, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, going from Acts 1, jumping to Acts 3, back when we started, through that power that Jesus just said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have power. Peter and John were able to confidently say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he walked. They trusted the process. The process. You have to think, what is my overall purpose while I wait in this season? Whatever you're, whatever you're trying to go to or get from, from A to B, 
that's different for each and everybody in this room. Where are you going? Where are you headed from? But that time from getting from A to B, from here to there, it's a process. And you have to trust that I'm going to grow through that process. This is how it can feel. The here, whoop, something just happened. The here, I can feel like I'm so, so small, so, so insignificant that I can't, I can't even imagine making a difference. This is me. This is me right now. But through realizing that the power of one, one decision, one conversation, one interaction with an individual, I'm going to grow. Right? Kind of cute. I'm going to keep growing. And if I stay consistent, if I continue growing, if I continue taking time to put in the effort to grow, to get in the word, to get in the gym, whatever that looks like for you to get from A to B, I'm going to continue growing. And by the time I see my destination, by the time I'm getting towards my B, towards my there from here, I'm going to realize, oh, maybe, maybe this is possible. Maybe I am able to accomplish many things, right? But before, I, I wouldn't even think. I couldn't imagine that I'd be this big. I couldn't imagine that I'd have this much growth in this much time or this little time. Depends. I can grow from that much. I want to look at my notes just to make sure I get this right. The there, the end, it seems impossible. It seems unreachable. It could have taken longer because you're putting in effort doing something that will never work. But by seeing the power of one, by seeing the power of being consistent, and by seeing the power of the purpose, of the process, that's what it was, the power of the process, God is going to take my my six-inch self right here, and he's going to make me realize that I can accomplish great things, that I can do amazing things. Now watch this. I want to show you what happens. Make sure I line this up right. God puts the ball in motion. God says, all right, let's do this. Like, you, you want to start with one. You want to grow. You want to be consistent. You want to see the process. You want to go through the process. This is what happens. You may, may want to stand up in the back. Three, two, one. God is able to take my six-inch self, my six-inch self, your six-inch self, and use us to make an impact greater than we ever could have imagined. 